0: Second, two years old to five years old, go with Miss Pat. So as the kids uh, make their way out, we had a lot of fun. There's no question about it. I think the adults had as much fun as the kids did. But as fun as it was, the subject matter was of the utmost important, up, utmost importance. It is a, it's a question for the ages. You realize that you are in a battle. But there really is a battle going to say, what battle am I in? I, I don't know. I noticed this morning that when I woke up, because uh, I, I thought it was set for 5 a.m., I actually set it for 5 p.m., and so when I woke up, I realized now I'm behind the eight ball. And I was automatically in a battle. I had a choice to make. How am I going to react? It started to go the one way, by God's grace and prayer, it starts to go the other way. We're in a battle. If you don't believe in your battle, just... Uh, Just go on 17 at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, right? Try to, uh, if you don't think you're in a battle, walk into Dunkin' Donuts. And when you see the line, you go, you're in a battle. We're always in a battle. The Bible tells us there are two kingdoms. That's the title for today, two kingdoms. But there's only one battle plan. Only one battle plan that will succeed. There's only success is found in only one kingdom. Our text for the week of EBS was Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. And don't worry, church, we are in, uh, 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 in the book of Ephesians right now. This is just an overview of Ephesians 6. When we get to Ephesians 6, we will go very in-depth in it. But our text was found in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10-18. to 18. What we do at our church is we stand for the reading of God's Word. I would ask you to stand with me as I would pray. We'll read God's Word, and we'll hear what God says about two kingdoms and one battle plan. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for our kids. We thank you, Lord God, that we were able to give them your truth. We were able to give now parents your truth, Lord. And I pray that that truth takes hold, that if there are any here who don't realize they're in a battle or know they're in a battle and don't know how to get out of the battle or what side to choose, I pray today would be the day of salvation. That as the prophet Elisha said, choose this day whom you will serve. Lord, we ask your blessing as we hear your word. That you would do the work that you promised. That it would go forth and it would do what you want it to do. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what God says to us today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. to stand firm, stand firm there, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. That's where we'll end it today. It's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. There are two kingdoms. One is the kingdom of truth. Jesus stood before the Roman governor Pilate. He was being condemned by the Jewish people because he claimed to be God. He didn't make it. it was a claim that was true. Jesus is God. They were upset. They wanted to put him to death. They didn't, they were not able to put him to death. They had to go to Rome, who ruled over Israel at the time. And so they bring him to Pilate, and Pilate engages Jesus in conversation, and he keeps going, talking to Jesus. Jesus is not answering him. He goes to the Jews. He comes, I see nothing wrong in him. He goes back into Jesus after they said he claims to be a king, which in the Roman time was a serious offense. There was only one king, Caesar. And if you dared go against Caesar, your in, in, treason was a crime punishable by death. They didn't really care to have a trial to find out if you were guilty or innocent or what. You're, tre- you're treasonous? Off with the head. Um, they didn't waste time. So they said that he claims to be a king. And Pilate goes into Jesus, and this is the exchange. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. You say that I'm a king. Then Jesus tells the whole purpose of his coming into the world. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Jesus, in that statement, established that he is the king of the kingdom of truth. But there's another kingdom at work. Jesus talked about the devil, who by no means is equal to Jesus. He's not like God. He doesn't know everything, does not have all power. He's a created being. He's under the authority of God himself, but he has a kingdom and a powerful kingdom that for whatever reason God has allowed him to have. We don't understand that. God, that's, let that be in within God's understanding. We don't need to figure it out. But for whatever reason, God lets him have a kingdom. And what, and, and, and what the devil doesn't know, that God uses his kingdom for his own purposes, for God's own purposes. But Jesus says there is another kingdom, a kingdom of lies or the kingdom of darkness. The Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, were coming to Jesus and they were accusing him of many things. And Jesus tells them this in John 8, 44, it says, You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was, a, he was a murderer from the beginning and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of truth or the kingdom of lies. We're engaged in our culture for truth. Just look at the news. Look at what's happening in our society. The truth of gender The truth of sexuality, the truth of marriage, as God defines, is under assault. We're even told that two and two doesn't equal four anymore. It's if you want it to be something else, it can be something else. Truth is under assault. Why does it matter that there's two kingdoms? Why does it matter which kingdom I'm part of? When all is said and done, when time and space or history comes to an end, only one kingdom is going to be left standing. Only one. America will be long gone. China will be long gone. Russia will be long gone. Uh, The American dream will be in a heap of ashes. Long gone. Every country, every kingdom, every CEO, you name it, whoever has power will be long gone and one kingdom will be standing And at the grave of every other kingdom that will stand is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He will stand at the grave of every kingdom this world has built, including the kingdom of darkness. He alone will be left standing. So it matters on which side you stand in the battle. and which side you make allegiance to. Jesus made it very clear, you cannot be half and half. You're either 100% one, or you're 100% the other. That is extremely important. We are naturally, our inner nature, how we are as humans, how we act and our inclination as humans, is that we were born into the kingdom of darkness. We were born into the kingdom of darkness. The Bible tells me that. In Romans 5.12 it says this, Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, that is Adam, because Adam sinned and disobeyed God, the entire world, humanity was cast into the kingdom of, of lies, the kingdom of darkness, and it spread to all of us. Therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. There is a sense, in a very small sense, in which you can say the devil made me do it, but then that doesn't hold water because you sinned yourself. We are accountable for our actions. I, is born, I by nature, are born into the kingdom of darkness. But I am responsible whether to stay in that kingdom or leave that kingdom. This past week... We instilled into your children, we're instilling into you, we instilled into ourselves that you can get out of the kingdom of darkness. You do not have to be bound in the kingdom of darkness, in the kingdom of lies, in the kingdom of death and destruction and of hatred. We can, as Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, be strong in the Lord. Listen to what he says in verse 10. Finally, he writes to the church, telling them all the wonders of who God is and what God has done in salvation and in Jesus Christ and bringing them out of darkness and into His glorious light. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. What does it mean to be strong in the Lord? To be strong in the Lord is to be strong in absolute truth. To be strong in the Lord is to be strong in absolute truth, unwavering in truth. That was pretty much what I would say is the theme of the week. Absolute truth is true for all people, for all times, for all circumstances. Absolute truth is true for all people, for all times, and for all circumstances. Truth is truth. Boys are boys and girls are girls across cultures. Two and two equals four across cultures. Jesus Christ is Lord across cultures. It's true for all people, for all times, and for all circumstances. It is important that we recognize that we are in a battle. You are in a battle. I am in a battle. There is no escaping it. We're in a battle. The reason this is so important is because we're going to succumb to one or the other. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6.11 that to fight the battle, to be part of the kingdom of truth, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, where he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings, he says to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That alone tells us there's two battles, God's kingdom or the devil's kingdom. And the devil has schemes, it says. The word schemes is "methodia." it's strategies. What kind of strategies does the devil use? Well, he uses lies. Jesus says he lies. That's the only way he can talk. He knows how to lie. He's a murderer. The tactics of the kingdom of darkness are lies, intimidation, and manipulation. Isn't that we see that in the world today? Hey, you don't want to believe that you can be whatever you want to be? Whoa, all of a sudden, you're pressured into, no, you better believe, you better think the way that we think. That's not necessarily a government thing. It's coming from, but ultimately behind that is the father of lies. We are engaged in the epic battle for hearts and for minds for what you think and what you believe. If we're in Christ Jesus, if we're in the kingdom of light, the kingdom of truth, the Bible tells us this, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, my battle's not with you personally. You may be the manifestation of the kingdom of darkness in terms of how you're thinking and acting. You're standing in front of me, but ultimately there's a spiritual battle raging. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is a battle going on. I cannot say it enough. There is a battle going on. And oftentimes we miss it because we place it to the person right in front of us. We place it to the circumstance. There's something behind it, the Bible tells us. And the only way in the battle of the kingdoms that God God has given us to be successful is to wear God's armor and God's strength. Look what it says in verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. In other words, God equips us. If we are in the kingdom of truth, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of which Jesus Christ rules, God gives us the ability to engage in the battle. He gives us what is called the armor of God. Is it real armor? No. We understand that, it, that, that it's an analogy for something. It's pointing to something. It, it, it's using a physical description to point to a spiritual reality. He says, the first piece of armor that God gives, tells us to put on, is the belt of truth. Why is truth so important? What happens when truth disappears? How many of you have ever flown in a plane? A lot of people have, right? You think it would be okay if the mechanic of the plane decided that, "Eh, I don't think we need this part. You think, would you be okay flying in that plane? No. Suppose you're, how many of you had work done on your house, had a contractor come to your house? Right? Do you really hope that that contractor trusts a ruler? Stave the jokes, I understand, but you know what I mean, right? You hope he knows how to use a tape measure, and then he goes by the tape measure, doesn't say, well, I decide I want this piece to be 10 feet, and this piece, and, you know, do 3 feet, doesn't really matter. It matters Do you hope that the doctor of which you go to does rest on real science, things that have been proven? I hope so. Ah, well, I think it's this. Well, you don't need a uh, truth matters. It literally, it can be a matter of life and death. Do you hope that the person coming down the road believes in red lights and green lights? Stop signs, Now we know many don't, but you know what I'm saying, right? We trust. It matters. Truth matters. God says, put on the belt of truth. Look what it says in verse 14. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What is the belt of truth? What does the Bible mean by the belt of truth? Well, it's simple. It's knowledge of God and His Word. Knowledge of God and His Word. The Bible, the Scriptures, is truth. It's ultimate truth. There is no error in this book whatsoever. There is no contradiction in this book whatsoever. This book will never lead you down a path of which you regret. It will only lead you down the path of peace and life. Only. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans not to harm you, not to destroy you, but to lift you up, to give you a future and a hope that is found in God's Word and God's Word alone. It is found nowhere else. Jesus says this in His high priestly prayer. In John 17, 17, He says this, Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. What is truth? Pilate asked, what is truth? How sad truth was standing in front of Pilate. This is truth. This is true. Has it been used in history in a way that it's not true? Yes. Let's just be honest. It's been used to destroy people, to annihilate people, to, uh, 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 in racism, in all kinds of things. This has been Misused. No question about it. But that's the work of evil men of the kingdom of darkness. It is not the work of Jesus Christ. We want to tell you today the truth of what God's Word says. God's Word is truth. So when you have the belt of truth, it is, as we said this week, to build a biblical worldview to stand strong in the truth. To build a biblical worldview to stand strong in the truth. How do I view the world? How do I look at life? How do I look at what's going on in the world, in my own country, in my own life, in my own family? Do I have a biblical worldview? What does God say about this? Not to what I think about it. Who cares what you think about it? Doesn't matter what I think about it. What does God say about it? And God, does God have the answers for everything in life in in the Bible? No. Does He tell you what job to have? No. Does He tell you why you're here? Yes. Does He tell you how to act? Yes, He does. Those truths are in God's Word. Within the Bible, the ultimate questions of origin or being are found. Why was the world created? Why are we here Those answers are found in the Bible. God tells us to build a biblical worldview, and God gives us the ability. This is the great thing about God. He doesn't tell us you go build a worldview. Get yourself a biblical worldview. He gives me the Bible. He gives you the Bible. He gives us the ability to understand and to apply His Word in our everyday lives. And it begins with the belt of truth. And as we build a biblical worldview... Based on absolute truth, which is true for all people, for all times, and all circumstances, I don't care which culture you go to in the world, the Bible is relevant to that culture. The Bible is what will free that culture from darkness. The Bible is what will bring light to any culture. God gives us the ability to apply His Word, to understand His Word, when we put on the belt of truth, when we begin to say, you know what, I want to know what God says. Am I going to understand everything at once, what God says? No. It's going to take time. I have to study it. It has to be part of me. I have to feed on it. Every man man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God, Jesus says. I need to be taking this in. And do I have to understand it all? No, but begin to ask God, God, what is it you're saying here? God, what is it you want me to do? And as I build a biblical worldview, I begin to put on the other piece of armor, the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. Look what it says again in verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. What is the breastplate of righteousness? Righteousness is doing what is right. What is true and what God requires. Just doing what is right. We live in a society where people are not doing what is right. Somebody's being attacked on a subway. What do they do? Pull out their phone and start filming instead of helping out. Why? Because if you help out, you'll be the one in trouble. Truth is going out the window. What does God want me to do in my marriage? What does God want me to do at my job? It's in God's word. He tells you what to do. He has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to walk to act to do justly and to walk humbly with the Lord your God. Righteousness is doing what is right, what is true, and what God requires. When I seek to do what God wants me to do. To the best of my ability. It helps me put on the shoes of peace. What it says in verse 15. And as for shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Many will say that that means to go and tell people about the kingdom of light. That's part of it. But it's also if I'm doing what is right, I want to be at peace. I can bring peace to a situation with God's truth. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter twelve, chapter thirteen, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. Is there peace in the world today? There is no peace in the world. Been crying for peace since since after World War II. The old hymn, "I Heard the Bells on Christmas Morning." I hear the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men, and I bowed my head in despair, and I said, there is no peace on earth. That was written during the Revolutionary War. There is no peace. We are to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ, if, we've been, if we are members of the kingdom of light, if we've been knighted, as to use the terms for this past week, into the kingdom of God, it is our responsibility to bring that truth to others who, do no, who are in the kingdom of darkness. Peter, The apostle Peter wrote it this way, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Why are you, why do you always act so good? Why are you such a good person? How come you don't do the things that we do? How come you don't talk the way that we talk? How come you don't hang out with us? Well, God's word says I am to act this way. You act that way. Let me tell you what God says about the kingdom of which you are living in. And how to be free from that kingdom. And come into the kingdom of light. Set up Christ as holy in your hearts. For those two, the theme was put on what's right, which is Jesus' righteousness, and do what's right. To do what's right. Next, we're told to take up the shield of faith. In all circumstances, verse 16, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Let's bring that back. What are the flaming darts of the evil one? They're the schemes of the evil one. Now, Paul, who lived within the Roman Empire, was using an analogy from Rome. He was looking at the Roman soldiers, seeing the armor of which they wore. He was well acquainted with whether he was in Roman prisons many times. He knew exactly what they wore. And he saw that they had a belt was important. The belt held the sword. The belt kind of held everything together. It was the the foundation, right? For, for, you know, I have a belt on, goes over my hips. The hips are like the foundation of your body, right? They kind of hold things up. He saw that they had a belt on. A, war, a centurion never went out without a belt. He never went out without the breastplate on to protect him. It probably wasn't steel, it was probably leather, but it was something to protect him. But he had the shield, and the shield probably went from the ground up to his eyes so he could, it would protect his body. It was an offensive, and it was also could be a defensive weapon. But it says in which you can extinguish the flaming darts, the schemes. And, and Paul, interesting, because oftentimes, at least from my understanding of history, a lot of times those Roman shields would have cloth over them, and they would soak them in water because they would literally shoot flaming darts at you. And they could extinguish those flaming darts. Those schemes, those little lies, that tell, those little things that tell you to compromise to, you know, oh, believe this, or you know what, it, it's okay, and, and, and you can, God doesn't mind. That's a big lie. God does mind. God does care. The flaming darts of the evil one could, are depression, hatred, loneliness, things we really deal with. But God has an answer for. it. The shield of faith. What, is it, what does faith mean? Belief in God based on truth. I do Not just believe in some made up. Just believe in God. Okay, I believe in God. What's the basis for me believing in God? The book of Romans tells us in Romans chapter 1 that all I got to do is look up in the sky. All I got to do is look at nature. All you got to do right here, look at your hand. That tells you enough that God exists. You are no accident. You are no accident. Your parents may tell you, you were an accident. We know what they mean by that. But you were no accident. Understand that God skillfully, perfectly, wonderfully put all of your cells together so that you came out. Just the way that you are. God said He fearfully and wonderfully made you. You are no accident. You were created for the purpose to worship God. And that's why God calls us out of this darkness that we are naturally born into, so that we would come into the kingdom of light, that we would know our purpose. The confession of faith, of which of uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith, says, what is the chief end of man? To know God and to glorify, him for, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. A lot of times we don't think God's, God's able to be enjoyed. God's up there stiff. Don't do this. Don't do that. Oh, oh, ready? Or, or as, as the old Far Side comic, if you see God at his computer, right? And a guy walking down the street, you know, just whistling, just enjoying his day. And there's God at his computer with the big smite button, right? It's a hysterical cartoon. Right? That's not how God is. God is. The kingdom of light is a kingdom of joy. It's a kingdom of peace. Do you believe in God? All the evidence is around you. It's all around you. You are not a random chance of events. Darwinism is a lie. Evolution is a lie. You were specially created by God. Specially created by God. Oh, what about God? What about the poor handicapped kids and the kid? No, they are just especially and wonderfully made by God. They just have a different purpose that we don't understand. To take up with the shield of faith. that says, "Take up the helmet of salvation." And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The helmet of salvation. We all saw those Roman helmets, right? You've seen Ben-Hur. You probably watched Gladiator, right? The helmet, which if they came across with a blow, they would hit the metal helmet and it wouldn't take your, it wouldn't do anything to you. Why the helmet of salvation? Why does God call it the helmet of salvation? Because helmet of salvation equals the certainty of heaven. See, here again, here's why the kingdom matters. America's going to be gone. This world system's going to be gone. Only one place will be left. It's called heaven. It's where the king King of kings resides right now, Jesus Christ. And he's promised that he's going to come back one day. And this world is going to be completely destroyed. All our environmental efforts are actually in vain. Not that we shouldn't take care of the world. I I shouldn't have got off on a tangent. Jesus Christ is going to come back and bring us to heaven where there will be no hint of the kingdom of darkness whatsoever. It will only be peace and joy everlasting. Jesus promised this. In First Thessalonians 4, 7, it says this. Those who are alive, this is about the return of Christ. This church in Thessalonica was concerned about the end times. They were concerned that Jesus came back already and they got left behind. And Paul, who wrote to the church, encourages them, puts their fears to rest. He says, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. What does that mean? When Jesus comes back, if you're still alive, you're going to meet Jesus halfway up. That's what it means. And, listen to this, and so we always will be, and so we will always be with the Lord. Never again to engage in the battle between the kingdoms. Sin will be gone. Temptations will be gone. Never to be had again. No fear, no physical ailments, no nothing absolute perfection and peace in the kingdom of heaven. God says, that's what I've saved you for. That's the kingdom you're part of. If you endure in this kingdom, kingdom of heaven will be yours. Jesus put it this way about doing battle. He made, made a parable about a bunch of servants. There was a king who was going away and a master who was going away. And he gave each of his, some of his servants some talent, some money. And he said, go out and multiply it for me. And one went out with five talents. He multiplied it to ten. Another had had five and you know a five, and he made ten and two. And, a, and and one had one, and he went and he buried it. He said he was so afraid of messing up that he just buried it and, and waited till the master to come back to give it back to the master. And Jesus said that that was a wicked, lazy servant. But the ones who went and multiplied, who. Stood on truth, had on the belt of truth, who had on the breastplate of righteousness, who had the shield of faith, who had the, the helmet of salvation. They took it serious. And they, they, they did what was right while living in the kingdom of darkness. They lived, in the, they lived for the kingdom of truth in the midst of the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus says at the end of time, this is what Jesus will say to those who have been faithful, to those who have stood firm in God's armor on truth and righteousness and belief and faith. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much in joy. Enter into the joy of your master. I love that. Because you're either going to hear those words, enter into the joy of your master, or you're going to hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you. Those are the two phrases that Jesus will speak at the end of all time. Which phrase will you hear? Will you hear, enter into the joy of your master? Or will you hear, depart from me, I never knew you. And find yourself in hell. It's a real place. Heaven is a real place. See, the importance of the helmet of salvation is not only belief in heaven, but it guards me against false teaching about God's word. And it also guards me against temptations. That when the friends come to me and they say, hey, let's go do this. Oh, it's okay. You can just take a little whiff of this. You can just this or whatever. Oh, we can reject that person. Who cares about it? Nobody likes that person anyways. It tells you, you know what? You act differently. But you know what? No, don't seek to be at the popular table in the lunchroom. Go to the ones who are outcasts because that's where Jesus went. You know what? Don't seek to build the American dream because it'll be death to your soul. Build my kingdom. Do what's right. Trust me for your provision, and trust me, you'll be more than provided for. That attitude, that mindset, it guards me against temptations to say, you know what, the kingdom of light, it's no fun, it stinks. Trying to take all my joy. Who does Jesus think he is to tell me what to do? You don't ever want to have that attitude because you'll find out one day. And trust me, you will bow before Jesus Christ. You will bow. All of us. Every person from Adam, the first man born, to the last person born, will bow before Jesus Christ. And they will declare to Jesus, Jesus, you are Lord. But it's going to be to either their salvation or that their the damnation. When Jesus comes and you bow your knee and say, Jesus is Lord, it's to your damnation. If in this life, in this kingdom now, you declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, it's to your salvation, and you will be with the Lord forever. Which kingdom are you in? We're told to take up the sword of the Spirit. The helmet guards me against false teaching and temptations. The sword of the Spirit is the weapon in which I strike down false teaching, in which I strike down temptations. Ephesians 6:17 and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Remember what Jesus said about the truth. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. The sword of the spirit helps to sanctify me. It guards me against temptations. So when the the voice comes, in my mind it tells me, oh, it's okay, you can compromise. Or my friends come and tell me no. Or the tax guy says, you know what, it's okay, just fudge the numbers a little bit, it's okay. Ah, the government hardly catches it anyways. God's Word says, you know what, no. You do what is right. The little small voice that tells me this is the way, walk in it. That's the one I listen to. That's what the sword of the spirit does. It strikes down. For the word of God is sharper and uh, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's living and active the Bible tells us. Jesus was himself tempted by Satan himself. Jesus went 40 days without food or water. He was at his weakest. And the devil comes to him and tempts him. And how did Jesus respond to him? Jesus had all power over the devil. All power over the devil. But how did Jesus respond to the devil? He responded to him with the word of God. With the word of God. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God only. He stood on the truth. Jesus promised us that in this epic battle between truth and lies, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, that we not only have the armor of God, but we have the very presence of God living inside of us. His name is the Holy Spirit. It's not an it, it's a he. Jesus says this in John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, that is the Holy Spirit, He will guide you in all truth. So when I read this Word and I say, God, help me understand it, God's Holy Spirit helps me to understand it. He will not speak of His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will declare to you the things that are to come. You know what God's Word gives me? What God's word will give you if you're in the kingdom of light? It tells me, it tells me and it tells you the end of history. I know how things are going to end. I told you that every kingdom is going to disappear. No kingdom will stand except the kingdom of Christ. Why do I know that? Because God's word has told me that. Do I know every detail between now and then? No. Do I need to? No. Do I need to know what I need to know right now? As the Bible says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. Do I need to know? God gives me enough to give me right here today. I know what I need to do right now, right here. The Bible is what makes us wise for salvation. Paul was writing to Timothy. Timothy was a young man that Paul was mentoring. And he writes this. He says, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings. You knew them as a kid. which are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. You want to know how to live in the kingdom of light, the kingdom of truth? You have to have a steady diet of God's word. It gives you the roadmap. It gives you the way. It gives you the ability to stand and to fight against temptations. And Paul says this, all scripture is breathed out by God. How do I know God's word is perfect? Because it's given by God. And is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the sword of the the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. And then finally, Paul says, prayer. Prayer. Verse eighteen says. Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. What is prayer? It's talking to God. It's literally having a conversation with God. How many of you talk to yourself? You don't have to raise your hand. But I would imagine a fair amount do. I talk to myself all the time. Because I agree with myself. So therefore I can talk to myself. Right? You know, it used to be a weird thing to see people walking down the street talking to themselves. Nowadays, with those little ear things. People talking to themselves all the time. So it's okay. Walk down the street and talk out loud to God. Nobody's going to think you're weird. <laughs> Praying is just talking to God. What a supplication. It's asking God for help. It's asking God for help. How many of you need help? I need help. I need all kinds of help. I need help on... Every level, and God alone is my help. From where does my help come from? We read it this morning, Psalm 1. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who? The maker of heaven and earth. We were told to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. If I'm in the kingdom of light and I put on the armor of God and I pray in God's spirit and ask God for help, I will be able to stand, you will be able to stand in the kingdom of truth, the kingdom of light. I'm going to ask you one last time, what kingdom are you in? Bob Dylan so famously and so rightly said so many, many years ago, You're going to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. Who are you serving? Is Jesus Christ the king of your life? The fact is we are born into the kingdom of darkness. We've all sinned. We've all gone our own way. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Listen to what it says in Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. For The wages of sin is death. Imagine if it stopped right there. There'd be no hope. But it says this. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's the kingdom of light. There's the kingdom of truth. Are you tired of the battle? Are you overwhelmed with sorrows and fears? Do you know inside that something's not right, that this is not good? I don't want to live this way anymore. This way is oppressive. It's dark. It brings no joy. It brings no happiness. Jesus says this. If that's you, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. What's a yoke? It's what they used to put two two ox together that would plow a field. And and, and, and they would bear the load together. Usually they put a stronger ox and a less strong ox to teach him. Jesus is the strong ox. He bears the load for you and I. So take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Isn't it great that God doesn't say, because if he don't, I'm just going to smash you down? That will, at the end of time, will say that. But right now, while there's still time, He says, I am gentle, and I am lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You know anybody who needs rest for their soul? A real peace, a lasting peace? It says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe you're asking yourself today, and I hope you are, how do I become a member of the kingdom of light? How do I join the kingdom of truth? The Bible says there's two things to do. Repent and believe. Repent is a word that means to change your direction. It literally means if I'm walking this way, to turn around and to walk this way. I was walking in the kingdom of darkness. I was I, I was doing the things that the world wants me to do. I didn't care about uh, the limits on anything I did. I indulged in anything I wanted to. I was greedy for money. I was greedy for sex. I was greedy for this and that. You name it. I was doing it. If it felt good, I did it. If I thought it, I went after it. That's what I was doing. And the Bible says, repent, stop that, turn from that, and begin to walk in the way in which we honor God. Repent and believe. Believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that God created the world, that Jesus Christ came in the world to save sinners. Because He did. Jesus said, we sang the song, I love it so much. Jesus said, if I am lost, He will come to me. And on that cross, He showed me, He proved to me that He will come to me. Jesus is telling you today, I've come for you. Here I am. Will you come to me? Will you accept my offer of forgiveness? Will you accept my offer of peace? Will you come into my kingdom? How do we enter the kingdom? Romans 10 will end with this. Romans 10, verses 9 and 11 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. What kingdom are you in? What kingdom do you serve? My hope My prayer for you is that you are in the kingdom of light. If you have any questions, maybe you're not sure yet. Maybe I have some more questions. Would you please come talk to me? Would you please come talk? I'll try to answer your questions. This is a matter literally of life and death. It is the most pivotal question of all time. Please don't let it go unanswered. If you said, you know what? I've made a decision to be in the kingdom of light. Would you please let me know? We want to come alongside you and help you. Understand God's word and grow in it, know it. And so that you'll become all the more able to stand when the temptations come. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that you have a kingdom that will last for all time. Lord, I pray that nobody in this room leaves without knowing that they are truly a member of the kingdom of truth and the kingdom of light. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and we'll close in a song. You are my sword and shield. No troubles linger still. Who shall lie? we mm-hmm. It's Praise the Lord. God bless you all.